Good morning and welcome to our services. I hope that you started in in 2021 in a, in a place of uh, excitement, uh, hope, uh, of joy that really only Jesus brings. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you're still pre-COVID in a place of uh, hopelessness, uh, discouragement, having questions about life. And I'm hoping today that my prayer is that we would be able to, in a freshness of his spirit, uh, find this new hope as we travel through in a wayward world, uh, knowing that we have someone we can walk with. And so that's my, my prayer and desire. What I've really been encouraged by as I think of the MRAC church family, when I watch it on social media and people, when they have a question, like someone puts a question out there, hey, does anybody know a good doctor or a good mechanic or plumber or whatever it is? And uh, people respond saying, hey, I've gone to this person. You know, if there was someone who says, hey, I'm struggling in our marriage, someone is there to say, you know, I've gone over here and they helped me in our marriage and we're doing so much better. Uh, I, I see that at MRAC, that we are a church that loves to help people. We would highly recommend so-and-so or go do this and follow this. And that's pretty cool. That is a special gift, if we could say that, of people caring for people. But I see this also in the Gospel of Mark, that as he's working through this process, um, he comes with this question, I want to tell you someone you can follow. If you're looking for answers, here's someone you can follow. And if you have your Bibles, if you, if you want to look up Mark chapter 2, we're going to see this uh, unfold as we go through this. And so let me just take a moment and pray. Father, as we come to your word that is living and active, I pray that your spirit would speak to us that you would give me words as we go through this, as there's so much here in this text. I pray, God, you would be speaking. You would minister to us and to all those that are listening. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look here. So Jesus, he went and returned to Capernaum after some days. The, it was a little slow in the social media process. Uh, it was reported he was at home and, and many were gathered together. And he describes how many. So that there was no more room, not even at the doorway. It was full. And he was preaching the word of God. And this is what he will do as he enters into ministry. He's going to tell people about the kingdom of God and what that life is like. And they were, and they, we'll discover who these they is, coming, bringing to him a paralytic uh, carried by four men. Now these guys knew that if they could get him to Jesus, Jesus could help him, help his friend. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they thought of a plan. We got to do something to get our friend to Jesus. I got to do something to get my friend to Jesus. So they went up on the roof. I'm assuming there was stairs up there somehow. And they removed the roof above him, above Jesus, and lowered Jesus, lowered the paralytic down to Jesus. Could you imagine that picture of him? These guys just saying, we just got to get our friends to Jesus. And 
They made that opening. They did that. And the amazing part is, Jesus looked at the four friends and said, wow, what faith you have that you would do everything you can to get your friend to me because you believed I could do something. And so he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. That's not why he came to Jesus. That's not why his friends brought him to Jesus. They just knew Jesus had the power to heal. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And now some of the scribes, they got some problems here, okay? They understand God can heal because the prophets could heal, okay? But nobody could forgive sins except God. And so they're sitting questioning in their hearts. They haven't said anything. And, and Jesus... And oh, let's look. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so here's their question. What does this man speak like this? How is this possible? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They are, they're thinking this in their heart. And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit uh, that this question within himself, he said, why do you question these things? Wouldn't that blow your mind? Somebody's there and saying, hey, why are you thinking that? That already has got to have messed with this, these guys. Uh, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. He puts it back to them in a question. Making them think, which is easier? but that you may know, and this is the reason why he did what he did, is that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Mind blower. Messing with them. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he, he rose up immediately. Boom. And he picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all just totally amazed. And they glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Powerful, powerful story of what Jesus has done. And here's the point. Jesus is someone you can follow. Why? He's got the power to heal. His friends knew that God could heal. He knew if we could just get, Je get this paralytic to Jesus, Jesus would help him. He's someone you can follow. And so they did that. They, they sent him. They brought him to Jesus. And Jesus did something even different than what they expected. He said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is one that you can trust, that he can heal. He can heal people. Which is just an amazing truth here. That he would be able to do that. Now, this puts into a question. Um, because of sickness and Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven, puts people in an uncomfortable place. 
Because if you're sick, if you have ailments, is it because of sin? The answer is yes and no. Let me just sort of help walk through this a little bit as we look at this passage so we get clarity. Jesus recognizes that sin has an effect on our bodies. Sin will cause sickness. First, personal sin that what you have done can cause sickness. Number one, that's what he's referring to. Secondly, we are in a fallen world where what will cause sickness because of where we are at in this world. And one day God will raise that and dis deliver us from that fallen world. But right now we're in that. And thirdly, there are places where our sickness is to bring glory to Jesus. In John 9, the disciples probably saw what took place with the paralytic and saying your sins are forgiven. And this is something they believed in the Jewish custom, the Jewish belief. So the disciples asked, teacher, rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. So understand something, that Jesus has the power to heal, but where our sickness comes, that's between you and God. I mean, I live in a fallen world, and I have mental issues, struggles uh, that I live with. And I just pray God be glorified with them. Do I like it? Would I like to be able to read cl with clarity and be able to spell words with clarity? That would be awesome. But because of dyslexia, God has not chosen to take that away. I deal with it. I am par it's part of the fallen world. But God healed me in a greater way. That he can use it for his glory and I leave it there. And I am at peace and contentment because I know God loves me. But just so you're aware that Mark in his description is saying Jesus is someone you can follow. He has the power to heal. No matter where you are, in matter where that sickness is, God cares about you and he has the power to heal. The other part of this passage, we, we also see that he has authority to forgive. That blew the scribes away more than anything. These religious leaders... Again, uh, the prophets could heal. They could accept that. But they couldn't accept Jesus could forgive sins. Because he's placing himself as God. And we're seeing that in this, this scripture. That he had the authority to forgive sins. That's pretty amazing. And we recognize, no matter how much you say, I'm not a sinner, I'm good, all those things, you will discover we only realize the burden that we carry because of the sinful world we live in and the sin, our own sin weighs us down, even if you don't realize it. And Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. See, Jesus asked or told the paralytic, your sins are forgiven because as he came, 
to Jesus, introduced to Jesus. The friends, and probably the paralytic, was coming to be healed. He was coming to Jesus just for healing. And Jesus did even greater, forgave his sins. That's the amazing burdens that God just wants to lift, that we may not realize we're carrying it. But Jesus is that one. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption, deliverance from sin through the blo his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of his grace. It is nothing you have done. It is just, I'm coming to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And his grace, he gives us forgiveness. And I'll talk a bit more about that. But just to realize in this passage, he's saying, follow Jesus. He is the one that has the power to heal. He is the one that has the authority to forgive. Amazing truth that comes out. So this is someone you want to follow. And he cares about everyone. As we look at chapter 2, and again, looking at verse uh, 14 to 17, Jesus is on a mission. He is proclaiming his, the kingdom, his kingdom. He, he went again beside the sea, and, and a crowd was coming. Everybody's coming and following him. And, I, and he was teaching them. And then he, he passes by somebody. He's just walking along, you know, and he passes by Levi. And this guy is sitting at his tax booth, because this is what he does, because tax collectors want to take your money. They will do everything they can, scheme, plan, and they want to take more than what the government's actually asking, because that's more in their pockets. That's what they're known. Nobody liked a tax collector. And Jesus invites him to follow. Hey, Levi, follow me and let's go. And so he leaves and follows him. And there's, there's a crowd listening to this. And he's reclining at the table in his house. And there's many tax collectors. There's a group of them because that's... Tax collectors hang out together because no one else likes them, okay? Uh, tax collectors and sinners. So if you were to say sinners, tax collectors, okay? They're, they're lower. Uh, they're all reclining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who were following. Radical, okay? There is a problem. The scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw this, they were mind-blown. Oh, man, look at this Jesus. Look what he is doing. He is eating with sinners, with tax collectors. Oh, heaven forbid. And his disciples are there like, whoa, what are they doing? And why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, okay, Jesus, if you're a prophet, like, no, this is wrong, right? And Jesus heard them. And he said to them, hey, those that are well have need of a physician, right? They, if they're well, they don't need a physician. But those who are sick, they need a physician. I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now, understand, he is not calling the religious leaders righteous. What they are saying, you think you're righteous? Well, that's fine. He is calling those that know they have a problem. 
<laughs> he's calling everyone. And he hangs out with everyone. He cares about everyone. Isn't that amazing that he would take time? He is the son of God. And he took time personally inviting a tax collector to be with him. I love telling people, you know, Jesus accepts you right where you are. He accepted me right where I was. Right where I was. I didn't change in order to follow Jesus. I came to Jesus. And I'll tell a bit of that story later maybe. He is the one who changed me. Have you met somebody that just started following Jesus and you discovered their life was changed? They just started following Jesus. Personal invite maybe, and Jesus says, okay, follow me. And as you walk with Jesus, your life will change. Let me tell you a story that many of you from MRAC would know. There was this tall guy. He was at the McDonald's across the street one Sunday, and he sees the crowd coming. And he came into the back door, sat in the back. He didn't know anything about Jesus, but he came. And then there was a family that was coming over to my place, Linda and I's place for lunch, started talking to him and invited him to come. That was a journey somewhere 2011, I don't know, 2012, uh, somewhere in there, we started this relationship, this friendship. We getting to know him, and he was just always loved. You as a church embraced him and loved him. Was he always good? No. In his addictions, he stole from me, and we had this journey. But today, as he follows Jesus, I put a clip up on my social media the other day of Jim singing a song he wrote in recovery, Being Broken. He came to that place of being broken and coming to that place of knowing Jesus as he allowed Jesus to come in and started changing him. And to know that before COVID, he was involved in a worship team in a church uh, where he's at now. That is the power of God. When we say yes to Jesus, say, I want to follow him. He changes us. He accepted Jim right where he was, an addict, a thief. And you say you're righteous, and you say I'm good, I don't do those things. I want to tell you, every one of us, our righteousness is but filthy rags, but God cares about you. He says, come recline with me. Follow me. I know you're hurting. I know your need. You might not even know your need, but I know your need. Jesus is someone you can follow. He has the power to heal, the authority to forgive. He cares about everyone. He doesn't show favoritism. Man, this is the person you want to follow. No matter where you are in your status, he doesn't care. He loves you. 
That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the Jesus that you can follow. Now, this last one I want to spend a little more time on. Uh, he gave real rest. And we have so much conversation about this passage on, about the Sabbath. And I'm going to try to do justice about, you know, what day is the Sabbath? Do Christians follow Sabbath? What does it mean? What are the do's and don'ts of Sabbath? Uh, I'll see if we can hear from what Jesus is saying in this text to help us find that Jesus is our rest that we can go to. So, one Sabbath, he's going through the grain fields. Okay, he's got his disciples, and they're going through the grain field. Everything's cool, right? Uh, the disciples began plucking some of the heads of the grain. And then, you say, big deal, right? Well, the Pharisees were saying to him, Look! Why are they doing what is not lawful on Sabbath? They were picking grain. You're not allowed to pick grain. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And they got really excited about this. And over, just over the roof on this thing. Uh, and he said to them, so Jesus challenges the Pharisees here, okay? They're flipping out, saying, that is not what a follower does. If you were a lover of God, you would not pick grain, okay? And just so you get a hold of this, to a Pharisee, uh, picking grain is like reaping, right? You're reaping. So they, they narrowed it down right to that aspect of grabbing a handful. Is, you're, now you're using like you're reaping the whole field. And if you rub your hands together to get the grain, now you're grinding. Oh, you're majorly working. So they had a huge issue with this. And so Jesus is trying to teach them, okay? I'm not sure if they got it, but he says, have you never read what David did <laughs> when he was in need and he was hungry and he and those who were with him? You know what they did? They entered the house of God, the temple, and in a time of the high priest and he ate the bread of the presence. Oh, man, this is so sacrilegious what he did. And which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Do you have a problem with that, Pharisees? He's challenging them. And then he hits them between the eyes. Okay? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You created, Pharisees, you created all these rules. And understand, the Pharisees saw the Sabbath as to be holy. That's the fourth commandment, you know, to be, have the Sabbath and be holy, to make it holy. So they created all these fences around that Sabbath command. And they made it all the way to, if you grab grain. So the Sabbath rest became bondage to the followers of God. It was impossible to enjoy the rest. Okay? And then he says, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That is big. Okay? I'll see if I can walk through this a little bit to get a hold of this. That he is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? Powerful. Powerful statement 
that he's making. He's actually saying he was the one, he is God, he's the one who wrote the law. He's the one who says, I'm the lawgiver. I'm the one who gave you that. So I should know what it means. So don't question me. In a one way of saying it. Lord of the Sabbath. He's literally saying he is equal with God in this passage. He's putting it right out there. So let me just summarize. The Pharisees' Sabbath was a bunch of rules. It was a bunch of follow all these things. You can only take so many steps on the Sabbath. You can only do this, 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 this. That is what the Pharisee Sabbath was. Now if we go to Genesis chapter 2, Jesus, God creates the world, and on the seventh day, he said, Blessed is the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God doesn't stop working. We know that from scripture. But what he did is he sat back on that seventh day and said, I am going to take the seventh day to bless this day to, for us to learn from, to enjoy, to celebrate this is what God has given. I want them to experience not just labor all day, every day laboring, but to have a moment, a seventh day, which impacts both emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, to rest. He created that day, Genesis 2. 2. Wanting them to enter that rest. And then sin entered the world. And that rest was taken. Okay, now in Exodus 20, years later, God gives the command, I want you to celebrate a Sabbath rest. Okay, here's the, out of all the festivals that God lays out, the Sabbath rest is one of them. I want you to take a moment and rest. To celebrate what I have given you. Stop your labor, stop striving, and rest. Okay, and we see that throughout in Israel, um, it will continue. So even when you go to Hebrews, and it describes Israel and the Sabbath rest, he, he brings this in and says, for you that Israel failed to, to enter into the rest. And you say, what? They failed to enter in the rest, and he gives a picture. I was giving them this promised land that they could enjoy and celebrate in and rest it. I was giving you this rest and you refused to enter. Okay, and they were in the wilderness. And he goes on to say, today you still can enter that rest. You can read Hebrews and get to that. But that is where he was coming to. When he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, that is a much stronger statement, even yet. He moves from a place of a day this is Sabbath rest day. And he moves it to say, I am your Sabbath rest. Powerful statement. When you think about what is Sabbath? What day is it? Because Christians, we celebrate it on the first of the week because that's when Jesus rose. And the Jews, the Sabbath was the Saturday and they would enter the temple and worship. 
the, the Gentiles couldn't enter in uh, to that as, as they came to know Jesus. They worshipped him on this, the first of the week. So that was one aspect. So Jesus' Sabbath was way different than the Pharisees' Sabbath. Okay? In uh, Romans chapter 10, and I, I didn't put it in here, but listen. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness. End of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. So, in one essence, and I, I say this carefully, the Sabbath, the Ten Commandments were all made obsolete in Jesus. Everything now is found in Jesus. He is our Sabbath rest. Out of him flows what the Ten Commandments could not do. That's why Paul would say he was, the Ten Commandments, the, the law was our taskmaster. It was teaching us that we couldn't, that we needed a, a Savior, we needed Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, um, you could read 14, the whole passage there. Uh, Therefore let no one pass judgment on, on you in questions of food or drink, or regards to the festivals, new moons, or the Sabbath. They are, these are a shadow of the things to come, but our substance are, belongs to Christ. Our Sabbath rest is found in Jesus, that we can stop striving, that we can experience everything that God has to offer us. Instead of following the law, we follow Jesus. I put it this way, as believers set free in Christ, we are not judged by whether or not we keep the Sabbath day. Instead, we follow the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. And that does not take away from worshiping on a Sunday. No, no. That just says, I am now 24-7 in worship with Jesus. But I do take a time. There's a whole biblical principle, and I don't have time to go through all this stuff, but it's exciting. When you think about Sabbath rest, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, our bodies need that rest. And we need to come to Jesus and rest in Him. And we need to take time to celebrate, to enjoy what God has given us in Christ. And so, in our culture, we've created that around a Sunday morning that we take that time to rest and to celebrate and to enjoy what Jesus Christ has given us in and through the Sabbath rest found in Jesus. So that is the bigger picture. So now in Matthew, just so I'm getting close to wrapping up here, in Matthew chapter 11, after in Matthew talks about this same scenario that we read in Mark, he says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. After he talks about he is the Lord of the Sabbath, he says, come to me, you who are burdened, you feeling the pressures of this world. And COVID has just added that pressure. You as a, a, a struggling through, he says, come to me, follow me. I will give you rest. My yoke, you know, take my yoke upon you. There's something you have to do. You have to 
receive Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. He cares about you. And the yoke is not an egg yoke. It was actually a picture that they, people of that day would understand. It was something that went around the neck of the oxen and then the next one around the other ox, the oxen. And the stronger one would literally do all the work and he would sort of come for the ride. He goes, my yoke is light. I mean, you put it on, you feel the freedom is lifted because I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. I am going to lead you, okay? Take my yoke upon me. That's something you have to do. And learn from me. I am gentle. I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You want to follow Jesus. Wherever you are in your walk of life, and maybe for you that said, well, I've given my life to Jesus and life's become a burden. And you're complaining about, hey, I want to be back together on Sunday mornings and the government and the health care, they've taken it away from us. May I just tell you, you come right now. His, his yoke is light. Bring those things to Jesus. Put on the yoke, his yoke. Say, God, I give this to you. I want to learn from you. I want to follow you and find the freedom because we don't really realize how much we are carrying. And this is the Jesus has the power to heal, has the authority to forgive. He cares about everyone. He cares about me and he gives real rest. Let me just share a story in closing. Um, my wife Linda now, before we were saved, uh, we got into a conversation. Before we started following Jesus, before we believed this, this Jesus stuff, we got in a conversation about the end of the world. And Linda got scared. And so I thought, well, I'll bring her to my parents. I didn't believe this stuff, but I knew they weren't scared of dying. So I took her to them. And that night, they introduced us to Jesus and said, Jesus can take away that fear. Jesus will help you. And so that night, both of us said, we're going to take the yoke. We're going to, okay, Jesus, we will follow you. I accept that uh, I had no problem acknowledging that I had a sin problem. Uh, and so we confess, yeah, we got a sin problem. Jesus, would you come and take care of that and come into my life? So Jesus did that. He came into my life. And I started following Jesus, and my life was changed, transformed. He has the power to heal us. That's the Jesus that you and I can know. That we can tell others when they're struggling, saying, I know somebody. Highly invite you to follow him. I wrote this down when I referred to my life of that Jesus was not what I was looking for. Was the Jesus that I needed. The Jesus I was not looking for was actually the Jesus I needed. Maybe you're there too saying, yeah, 
I'm not really into the Jesus thing. But let me tell you, Jesus is someone you need. Because you've been burdened down with sin. The sin of the world, your own personal sin, you don't even realize the burden that you were carrying. I did not realize the burden that I was under, the load that I had put on myself personally because of my lifestyle that when I gave my life to follow Jesus, it just lifted off my shoulders. I had no more burden because Jesus was my Sabbath rest. He is the one who delivered me. He had the authority and power to do some amazing work in my life. And believe me, my wife would confess to this, Jesus is not done. He's got so much more to do in my life. But I just want to follow him. Will you follow him? Make 2021 saying, I'm all in, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. And then spend some time learning from him. Get connected with another person. We can't gather in a big group, but you can connect with somebody. If it's through FaceTime, connecting, uh, studying God's word, don't just sit at home on a couch night after night, week after week, and say, I'm not feeling it. I'm not experiencing what Jesus has to offer. Follow him. Step out and say, I want to learn from you. Take one step at a time with him. He is a life changer. And man, if you know somebody that's struggling, tell them, hey, you should follow Jesus. He's going to take care of that. He's going to minister. Is life going to be easy? That's not what I'm saying. I still have struggles. The difference is I'm still in COVID just like you are. I would love for everybody to be here in this building and we're together. But I know Jesus is with me. And so for you, allow Jesus to come in and follow him right where you are. He will lift that burden. And you can testify to the life-chasing work of what Jesus has done, even under COVID. God is still on the throne. He's still in the business of loving people and changing lives. I invite you to follow him. Let us pray. Lord, you are God that continues to love us right where we are. And so, Father, I pray for those that are listening, that they would have, in a, in a freshness of your spirit, uh, know that Sabbath rest, to know that healing power, that forgiveness, that love. Right now, today, as they say, Jesus, I am weary, I am heavy laden, I am burdened down. I just want to give it over to you. And Lord, I pray as those that may have never have done that, ask you to come in. Would you minister to them? May they, may they truly know your presence, your forgiveness, your love. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. May the word 
land on your hearts and that you would be excited to share with others. Just as we share about all the other things, saying, follow Jesus, he'll meet your need.